This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Ever wonder about the stories of the women around you? We wanted to create an intentional space for women to share the wisdom they have gained through life experiences. Tune in to be in awe of some of the Wonder Woman in our midst. Wondering Woman on ORFM Dunedin. Kia and welcome to our next episode of Wondering Women. I am your host today, Amy Armstrong, and I have with me today a very dear friend who I've worked with over the years. Uh, her name is Sister Teresa Hanratty. Um, so welcome, Teresa. Thank you, Amy. Kia and thanks for being with us today. Thank you. So would you like to just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, or whatever you'd like to to offer here today? Thank you, Amy. Well, as you mentioned, my name is Teresa. I'm a Sister of Mercy, and I have been for more than 50 years. I'm a Pākehā woman, and I've lived all my life in the Catholic tradition. And as a Sister of Mercy, that is an organisation that is part of the Catholic Church community. I've spent my ministry part of my life in education and I worked for about 20 years in the school system, the Catholic schools, uh, 12 of those as in positions of responsibility. And then after a period of sabbatical and study, I moved into adult education and I've been engaged in that for the last approximately 30 years. Wow, that's awesome. And that's how I I first met Teresa. Um, Teresa moved down to um, Dunedin and took up a role um, offering a new program in our diocese, our, the Catholic diocese that had never been offered before, and it was training up lay people in um, formation for leadership and ministry. And I had been doing a little bit of ministry around um, Dunedin and uh, tertiary chaplaincy at the at the university and. It was a real blessing for me when Teresa came down offering this program because I guess I didn't even realize it, but I was craving support and and formation around the the role I was giving. So you developed that program, didn't you, Teresa? I did. And the minute I saw the advertisement for the program, I was living in Wellington, I knew this was something I wanted to do. Wow. And immediately I applied and after the uh, application process was completed, I was um, appointed to the position, and I was very excited about it. I moved from Wellington and began to develop this program of formation for people who were willing and open to engaging in lay ministry in the Catholic Church. I think it's amazing that you... You knew immediately you wanted to do it and you had excitement about it because it's quite daunting in some ways. <laughs> some people would find it daunting. I find it invigorating. Wow. And I knew it was something that I could do and mm. that I wanted to do. Mm. And I had already in my previous ministries initiated another program in another diocese the, the previous program was focused on schools, on Catholic schools, and developing a way of reviewing the special Catholic character and providing 
training for boards of trustees. Mm. It was in the early days of the boards of trustees, so there hadn't been a program of formation or training. Mm. And there also had never been a formal review process. So again, I took up an opportunity that was something new that I could initiate, develop, and hopefully make a difference with. Well, I can attest that you certainly did make a difference. And it was quite in awe of, 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 especially in hindsight, of what you did coming down where nothing like that had been offered formally before. And, um, and yeah, just at the time when I was sort of um, a student of the program, I didn't realize how much it encompassed. I realized the, the benefits I was reaping from it, but I had no idea the skills and the, and the um, expertise that went in behind um, making a program like this or creating a program like this. But you did it so well. And obviously your skill set and your experience previously just was perfectly suited for this, this role. So thank you <laughs> on thank behalf you. of me and all the other students who took this course with you. Thank you, Amy. Often I initiate something, and because I'm the one who does it at the beginning, I don't actually see the long-term benefits. Mm. So it's rather a privilege when I do get that opportunity. Mm. I was fortunate once to go back to one of the schools where I'd been principal. Mm. And again, I initiated something. It was an amalgamation of several different schools. And each school has got its own culture, tradition. So when they came together, I used to say, well, they don't even agree on when it's playtime. <laughs> so over six years, I worked with the staff and the uh, parent community and the students and left, I hoped, a reasonably functioning school. Mm. But I was fortunate to go back. About 15 years later, the principal had been the deputy when I was there and she needed to have a term off for surgery. And I met her one day and she was saying, I really need someone, a retired principal. Oh, I could do it, I said. Mm. So I went back to the school for a term and people were very good. There were different staff from the ones that were there 15 years previously. Mm. But they, there was a lovely spirit and they were very kind and said, oh, you're finding a way around. Um, do you know what's happening? Oh, yes, I said, <laughs> I'm fine. Because I noticed that quite a few of the, you might say, systems or arrangements or practices were still part of the, the culture of the school. Oh, wow. So that was a very privileged opportunity to see something that I had initiated much earlier actually being lived out at a later time by different people. But because it was embedded in the culture of the school, it was still very much present. Yeah, that's a good point. We actually don't get the opportunity very often to see w what our work is doing and the impacts it has long term on students or um, programs, on staff. Uh, so that is a real gift to go back and, and see how that your work was still reaping benefits for the community that you hadn't even worked directly with. Yeah, that's right. And I know one of the bishops I worked under, he was kind enough to say at the end of my nine years working in the diocese, that my work would have an impact for many years to come. Wow. 
It's more than 20 years since I was in that diocese. I haven't actually been back directly to talk to him, but mm. hopefully it has had an impact yeah. and, and is still having an impact. And lovely of that bishop to remind you that your work was worthwhile and beneficial and um, I think often we don't get thanked or appreciated and um, we all need it to some degree. We all need recognition. Hmm. I am highly motivated and self-motivated so a little goes a long way as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And mainly seeing the growth in the people I'm working with Hmm. and seeing their gifts develop is how I get my feedback about the work I'm doing and Mm. whether or not it's being effective. Mm. A couple of times I've had the opportunity to um, thank one, I'm thinking of two people in particular, one was a priest that I, um, that was the priest of my parish as a young, young person and the other one was my choir director and at university both had a a large impact on my life but again at the time when you're young you don't realize it and um, by chance I was I met both of these people much later in my adult life like into my 30s and 40s and and I recognized their um, influence on me as a young person how it was bearing fruit today in my adult working life um, in ways that both they and I could could never imagine, and I and I, I I think I emailed both of them, and and because I'd met them later, and then realized, and then emailed them both to say, you know what, thank you for what you did for me twenty years ago, maybe fifteen years ago, and I just wanted to let you know that it's reaping um, benefits today, and and I'm really grateful. And both of them said, you know what. It's what makes it all worthwhile, and I think that's what you're saying. When you yes. s- sometimes you can see it, but you often don't get the gift of being able to see the students or the people you've worked with um, uh, living out their best adult life from what you've taught them. And I accept that that's a reality. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said to you quite often, Amy, that. When I'm long gone and you are a very elderly woman, you may see some of the fruits of my work in adult lay formation. Oh, I already see it definitely in our in our diocese. Um, so, because the first program, what year did we do that? We started in 2006. Okay, it was a two-year program yeah. it started in 2006, and your group graduated in 2008. So, 14 years later. Yes. Um, I can definitely see the fruits of um, the people that were formed, both in myself and um, and the others who went on to do other work um, in different chaplaincies, such as hospital or university, like myself, or um, prison. Um, prison, prison chaplaincy. Yeah. Yes, and and onto yes. other ministries and mm-hmm. spiritual direction and. It was a real foundational grounding mm-hmm. program because in the Catholic Church, um, that's not always offered. Like if you're if you go into seminary or into religious life, there's a real intentional formation time. And when you're a married or lay person in the church, sometimes like you can do university degrees, um, 
in um, theology or pastoral ministry in some some areas. But this was a real unique program that uh, sort of addressed, I think, what you did was you could see, even though you weren't part of this diocese, I guess working in other dioceses, you could you sort of knew the culture of a New Zealand Catholic diocese, and the way you um, had the different elements of the program. There was some pr- practical stuff we all had to choose a uh, practical ministry experience that was supervised, but there was also a bit of study, and then the spiritual formation. We all had to um, have a spiritual director, which is a companion that you talk with your talk with quite intimately your, about your spiritual journey and um, as a guide. So just the way you developed the program with the different, uh, the practical, the spiritual, and the um, educational aspects, it was, it was brilliant. <laughs> I was fortunate to have studied in the United States in Boston College where I did a master's degree in adult education, mm. religious education, so that's where I had a foundation for building on my other work in education, but particularly on ways of working with adults mm. and in developing faith in adults. And faith can be a bit of an elusive word, mm. but I remember one of the papers I did talked about three dimensions of faith, and you've actually just described them. And one of them is the practical dimension. Mm. And often people are very good at that. They know how to look after their family, Mm. um, to reach out to their neighbour, to be concerned for people who are poor and vulnerable, Mm. and to do something about it. Mm. Another dimension was the affective dimension, which is about prayer, and also about relationships with God, but relationships with other people because whatever level we're operating our relationships are very integral to who we are Mm. and how we are Mm. and the other one was about uh, knowledge what do I actually believe and so that's the the more um, head part the the study and I boiled it down to very simple headings the head, the heart and the hands Mm. so what you believe, how you relate, and what you do. Mm. And with that very simple framework, I then set to to develop the program. Mm. Now, not everyone works like that, but I like to work from a concept that's deceptively simple mm-hmm. and then develop a program around it. Mm. Other people would start with the practical and then reflect on that and think, well, what do we need to enhance this? Mm. Other people might start from the the space of prayer and liturgy and work out from that. So it just depends on your own preferences and your own style as to how you go about it. But that was one of the ways I worked Mm. with with your group and with the group I, I worked with in the other diocese and with many other groups I've worked with along the way. And it's it's interesting because you had done teaching of young yes. people in your yes. earlier life, mm. so it's quite a switch, isn't it? To yes. you mentioned you did a, a study in adult education because it's quite different, isn't it? It is, and I think my best work has been working with adults. Mm. And the wonderful thing about working with adults is that they've already got a lot of life experience. Mm. And if we can really capitalise on that 
and help people reflect on their experience hmm. and bring it to whatever the kaupapa is, then we can actually uh, make the most of their gifts and their experience to help them to grow. Hmm. So you're not starting with uh, a blank sheet, if you like. People have already got so much knowledge and wisdom that the trick is to enable people to articulate their wisdom and to share it with others. Mm. And one of the lovely people that I worked with many years ago now was a Benedictine called Mary Bennett McKinney. Okay. And she talked about the God of the gathering and she talked about the fact that God is present whenever a group of people meet and that each one is a representation of God. So when we're listening to somebody next to us, rather than listen with a very critical ear, we need to listen to their wisdom Mm. and treat it as the wisdom of God. Mm. So God is there in the gathering, and each person has wisdom to share. And, of course, that means we also have to listen to the wisdom of those who are there with us. That's beautiful. Mm. I once heard a... um a Jewish rabbi lecturing about, well, how to be live peacefully in the world. And he said, I don't remember his name, but he said something very similar. He said in the, in the Jewish tradition, um, one of their spiritual teachings of wisdom is when you meet another person, you are meeting a spiritual text. They, every, every person has a, spiritual life uh, a text that they've lived and and to recognize that you're meeting someone holy and that everyone has their own um yeah story sacred story sacred text i think that's the word i was looking for sacred text every person you meet and if if you don't recognize it or as you say listen to it um uh the gifts or the the spirit isn't isn't grown I love that idea of the sacred text. Mm. And Amy, you know that I have been a mentor to some people, Mm. including yourself. Definitely. And that's been another aspect of my work. I officially retired in 2014, Mm. uh, but I've done a lot of work since then, or ministry, because I've mentored several people. Mm. And I just recently finished working with a woman. She's Maori. And we very intentionally talked about how we would work together. Mm. And we came up with three definitions. The first one was tikanga, Mm. and that refers to our way of being together. Tikanga. Tikanga. And the parameters of our relationship, doing our mentoring, mentory-type activities. Mm. The other aspect was kaupapa. So, again, an agreement about our way of working together and what we would work on, so the topics for our meetings. Kaupapa. Kaupapa and space, which really refers to the time and the space to be together and to share and to reflect very intentionally on the work we're doing and being very attentive to one another. Mm. So the whole focus during that time and space is on being with each other and, if at all possible, to have no other focus or distractions. 
Mm. Of course, in this era of the COVID, we had to do a lot of our work online on Zoom. Mm. And she was actually in Whangarei for most of the time, and I was in Dunedin. So Mm. we had met in person several times, but we did most of the work on Zoom, and that worked extremely well. Mm. And just recently, this person left her position, so we had a poroporo aki. I'm not too good at some of the pronunciation. She used to help me with it. Mm. Poroporo aki, which is a farewell, a a time to recognise the work that's been done together mm. and to celebrate that and to say goodbye again quite intentionally. Mm. That was a very beautiful healing time for both herself and myself and others who'd been involved mm. in this venture. It's a lovely idea. We talked about that earlier on with that bishop who, when he farewelled you, that was sort of a poroporo aki, ake, where um, recognizing the work and and sending you off in sort of a a grateful um, fashion, an appreciative fashion, and and sort of wishing you well or blessing you into the future. And I think we sometimes we can start well and welcome people with the pofari, um, mm. but we don't often farewell people. We don't intentionally. Yes. And it's an important part of the process, isn't it? It's very important. Hmm. And I was very sad when I first heard this person was no longer going to be doing this work. Hmm. So the Ake helped me to move on Hmm. and say, no, it's time to let go. And that person will be doing wonderful, wonderful work in her new position. That's lovely because there's a grief involved, isn't there, when something comes to an end. but the other thing I, I liked what you were saying before about um, working with people and, and mentoring people, which uh, you are an excellent mentor. I think it's one of your giftings, and I have experienced it personally. And when we worked together, um, so initially when Teresa was um, finishing up her time in the program, well, a few years before she recognized she would be finishing in a few years, Teresa sort of started mentoring me and and we called it generational transition and Teresa recognized the importance of this and um and what I loved about our working together is that our giftings were quite different and very complementary and and that tikanga and kopapa and space that you talked about um I recognized that it was happening with us but I didn't have necessarily the the words or the terms for what was happening but the listening and the and the honoring the space for the others other giftings to come out and let them work together and enhance each other um it's it's sort of a miraculous process <laughs> it was and i remember one retreat in particular we did together we sort of uh, talked about well, you would do this part and I would do this part. And then we just went off to do our own preparations. And then we came together on the weekend. And um, I think we were both unwell in different ways on the weekend. But the way that we sort of held each other and and God held it all together um, and how the Spirit worked through what you had prepared and what I had prepared separately, um, and it just 
seemingly effortlessly. I mean, it wasn't. We both had put a lot of work into it. But I remember us both reflecting on how it all worked together so amazingly, and it and it wasn't something that we were creating ourselves. And there was a, an amazing synchronicity yeah. about it. Yeah. That, sure, we had a general idea of what each other was doing and how it would fit together. But as we actually alternated the sessions through the retreat, it became very obvious that there was a real shared thread that was running through it. Mm. To me, that's the spirit, mm. and you can't manufacture that or control that. Mm. It, it happens. It happens. And, and it seemed to be an indication of the relationship we'd already developed yeah. and the response that was coming from the people in the group. Yeah, Never underestimate the... The, the gift and the wisdom and the participation of the people in the group. Yeah. Because without them, it wouldn't be possible to create this this reality. That's right. Yes. That's a, another dimension. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just looking at our time, and it's it's zoomed by, and we are at the end of our, our program here. So, But one thing I wanted to ask you um, before we finish, that we ask every guest on the show um, the same question and we ask these wonderful, wondering women what it looks like for Teresa to flourish. So can you just share a bit of wisdom about a practice that um, you find helpful that um, you feel helps you flourish in life? Well, I've mentioned space and space to be with other people, Mm. but I actually need a lot of space myself. Mm. because part of the tradition of a religious, active religious congregation is prayer and spirituality, personal Mm. prayer Mm. and prayer in liturgy and in community. Mm. So to be able to minister effectively, I need to be able to pray and have space to reflect. Mm. And I'm probably one of a small number of people who found the lockdowns during COVID a real gift Mm. because I had lots of space, (laughs) lots of time to pray and perhaps go out and walk in the lovely autumn weather. Mm. So definitely having lots of space and the opportunity just to relax and roam around and not have any intense schedule, that Mm. really helps me to flourish. Mm. Thank you, Teresa. I also flourish with when I'm in a safe space with people that I'm compatible with, where I get on well with them and we can create ideas together or share experiences. Hmm. Lovely. Well, thanks for sharing that wisdom and um, the wisdom of all your experiences that you've shared today. Um, It's been a real pleasure to having you on the show. I know Teresa very well, but it's lovely to um, intentionally chat with you about um, some of your giftings and and the way they've worked out in the world. And um, I'm very grateful for that. And um, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Amy. All right. And to our listeners out there, thanks for joining us as well um, for this latest episode of Wondering Women. Um, Stay tuned in two weeks for our next show. Uh, Thanks very much, and kakite ano. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.